Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. And here's a man that went from the pit to the pinnacle. And over the course of 17 years, God is preparing him for that which he is preparing for him. And I put Esther in that same category. God is preparing her for that which he is preparing for her. Why do I mention that? Because God does that in our lives. God does that in our lives. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Esther. Many of us would agree that it would be great to know the outcome of a trial or crisis ahead of time. However, due to our finite nature, we really only have hindsight to reflect on and learn from. In today's message, Pastor J.D. reflects on how God often uses the crises of life to prepare us for great and marvelous works which glorify His name. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Esther chapter 2 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. When we read God's Word in places like this, we have the tendency to only see what happened. And I think we do err greatly because it comes at the expense of who it happened to. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Think about this. She might be a teenager. She might be in her late teens, 18, 19, 20. In that culture, in that day, uh, in your 20s, you were over the hill. She's a young woman. You know, the disciples went, well, think about Mary. She was believed to be a teenager when the angel appeared to her and told her that she was with child and would give birth, virgin birth, to the Savior of the world. How about when Jesus called the disciples? Never imagine in your mind that they were in their 30s or even in their 20s. They were teens. They were young people. She's a young girl. And she was born into captivity. This is all she's known. She's heard of Jerusalem. But captivity's all she's known. We don't know how her parents died. We just know that her parents died. How did they die? How young was she when they died? Was she there when they died? Did she witness that? Or did she never know who her mother and her father was? That in and of itself. Think about that. And She's a slave in captivity, a young girl, has no parents, and now she's queen? She's exalted to being the queen? I think of Joseph. Here's a guy, young guy, the youngest of the brothers, the 12 brothers born to Isaac, that, uh, pardon me, to uh, uh, Jacob, who would have 12 sons. And Jacob and, and Joseph and Benjamin, boy, 
What time is it? It's past my bedtime, no wonder. So uh, Jacob would have 12 sons. They would become the 12 tribes of Israel. And Joseph and Benjamin were uh, born to uh, Rachel. And he loved Joseph more than any of the other sons. And the brothers were jealous of him. And they tried to actually sell him into slavery and left him for dead. And you look at what some believe was about 17 years of being falsely accused of rape. He was betrayed. Very, when we were in Genesis, it was probably one of the more intense passages, but we have this detail about how when his brothers threw him into that pit, he was screaming and crying. How could you guys do this to me? And here's a man that went from the pit to the pinnacle. And over the course of 17 years, God is preparing him for that which he is preparing for him. And I put Esther in that same category. God is preparing her for that which he is preparing for her. Why do I mention that? Because God does that in our lives. God does that in our lives. The things that we go through in life, and sometimes we we throw up our hands and we say, God, why are you allowing this into my life? Why is this happening in my life? This is really hard. This is really painful. This is really difficult. God, what are you doing? Oh, I'm preparing you. What are you preparing me for? Oh, you'll see. I have a grand and glorious plan to use you in a mighty way, but I can't use you until I prepare you. Because in Joseph's case, you cannot just make a man the most powerful man in the world, save Pharaoh, who they saw as a god, until you first prepare him for it because he will not be able to handle it. And I see the same principle here with Esther. He's exalting her at the right time. And by the way, that's how and where exaltation comes. And this is why I believe it is that she was very humble a character quality of Esther. And Joseph too, by the way. I picture Joseph, who is a type of Christ. We saw over 100 types of how Joseph is a prophetic picture of the person of Jesus Christ. Very fascinating. And such is the case with Esther here. This is Psalm 75, verses 6 and 7. It says, For exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. It's God who promotes. It's God who exalts. He exalts the one and he puts down the other. Verse 18, then the king made a great feast. There's some typology here. The feast of Esther for all his officials and servants 
and he proclaimed a holiday in the provinces and gave gifts according to the generosity of a king. When virgins were gathered together a second time, Mordecai sat within the king's gate. I I hope you know that I always want to point out details because you have to understand that what we're given here are details and these details are for a reason. So here's the detail here in the text. Uh, We're told that he's positioned in the gate. Why is that an important detail? Because it means that in order to to be at the gate, the city gate was where all the business was conducted, where men of influence were to be in order to conduct business. If, if Mordecai has a seat or a position there at the gate, that means that he was a man of influence. He had a position. He was uh, a man who had an association with a group of men who would then congregate there at the gate. And this detail, again, is so important because it's this very position, literally, being there at the gate that is going to uh, prove to be something that God is going to use. And God positioned him there, and we're going to see that now here at the end of the chapter, that were he not there, None of what we're about to see in the entirety of the book would have ever happened. Uh, Maybe think about that too before we uh, go on. God's got you positioned in a place for a reason. You're not there by accident. God has you at a specific place for a specific time for a specific reason. You don't know what that reason is yet. You'll see. He's got you at the right place at the right time. And it's for a purpose. Now, verse 20, Esther had not revealed her family and her people, just as Mordecai had charged her, for Esther obeyed the command of Mordecai as when she was brought up by him. Uh, Dare I say (laughs) that another character quality is obedience. Obedience. Simple obedience. In those days, verse 21, while Mordecai sat within the king's gate, there's that detail, two of the king's eunuchs, Bigthan and Teresh, were even given their names, doorkeepers, became furious and sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus and be assured that they're not going to lay hands on him to pray for him. Okay? They're going to kill him. This is a plot to assassinate him. So, verse 22, the matter became known to Mordecai. Oh, what a coincidence, right? Please don't say right. (laughs) This is not coincidence. This is God's providence. God had Mordecai at the gate at that exact moment within earshot of this plot to assassinate the king. So he told Queen Esther, and Esther informed the king in Mordecai's name. I wonder how that went down. King, 
first of all, you have to understand, and this is another detail that we're, we're going to talk about in, in more detail uh, later on, but the queen could not just, you know, go into the king and say, hi, honey, what do you, what do you want for lunch? She could die for that. She, she could never go to the king unless she was invited. And if she went to the king uninvited, the only way that she would not be put to death is as, as if the king put out his scepter. And again, we know the, the detail of that in the uh, book and in the account. But she goes to the king and says to the king, uh, Mordechai, he, he's my father, really. He raised me as his own daughter because I was orphaned. He uh, caught wind of a plot on your life. And what does he do? Well, verse 23, and when an inquiry was made into the matter, it was confirmed. And both were hanged on gallows. And this is another place where we're going we're, we're gonna to be talking about gallows again, as I'm sure you know. Uh, but uh, don't picture in your mind... Again, this is a graphic thing, but a gallow was not like we picture, you know, being hanged by a rope around your neck. It was more like being impaled. And, I mean, a horrific and unthinkable death. That's what these gallows were. They were, they were horrific. They were just uh, a, a torturous and cruel way. And, of course, this is what... One Haman is going to build, custom build, for Mordechai. And so, very interesting that he catches wind of this plot, and it's investigated, an investigation is conducted, uh, and it's confirmed that, yes, indeed, there was a plot, and they were both hanged on a gallows and. It was written in the book of the Chronicles in the presence of the king. That's it? Yeah. Wait a minute. I thought that the king knew that Mordecai saved his his life. Well, apparently he's not going to do anything about it. Oh, not yet. Oh, no. We, we, We don't want him to be rewarded yet because it would be premature, right? I mean, then that's it. Then I guess there's still only two chapters in the book of Esther because this will be down the road yet future when God in his perfect timing will give the king insomnia And what do you do when you can't sleep? You read something really boring. So he has his guys, this is a spoiler alert, so you know. (laughs) He has his men go get him the annals of the history, the chronicles of the king. Boy, that, just read that to me. That'll put me to sleep. You know, it's like (laughs) reading, you know, something just so boring that is, you know, this this is something too. Well, anyway, I, I digress. Let me stay on message here. 
So they bring him the annals. And oh, what a coincidence again. Can you imagine how voluminous it was? So here's the guys, you know, with their candles, you know, we got to get the most boring one here. Let's just go with, uh, let's go with this one. Oh, that just so happens to be the one that recorded that one day. Oh, you remember? There was a plot to assassinate the king. And there's this guy, Mordecai, that caught wind of it and saved the king's life. And were it not for Mordecai, the king would have been assassinated. So can you imagine? So here's this guy. He's trying to sleep. Okay, okay. He's got the blindfolds on, the ear. Well, he can't have the earplugs in. He's got to listen to this boring thing. And then they're reading it, blah, 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 blah. And then they get to that one part. And then there was this assassination plot to kill the king and Mordecai. What? Well, I'm wide awake now. Wait. I remember that. Hey, what did we ever do for that guy? Well, let me see. Let me read on here. King, we didn't do anything for this guy. We didn't do anything for him? Well, anyway, I'm getting way... I can't wait till we get to that part. But So, by the way, you might want to read the rest of the book. There's only eight more chapters tonight before you go to sleep. I promise you, you won't go to sleep. It's so exciting. It's so amazing. Only God could do that, Right? And so, can I just, one more thing, and again, I, you know it. So, he says, we, we needed to do something. So he calls in Haman. And here's Haman, so full of himself. He's thinking, oh, the king wants to know from me, what would be the most grand and glorious way to show honor to someone for whom the king wants to honor. And here's Mordecai. Oh man. Oh, here's what you want to do. I mean, we need a parade and you need to, he's thinking it's him and you need to put, and you know how it goes. Listen, only God can do that. You know, it's books like the book of Esther that, to me, reinforce the infallibility of God's Word. Do you think man can make this up? I don't care who the Hollywood script writers are for these motion pictures. Nobody could come up with a storyline like that. In fact, and we talked about this last week, uh, they're missing the boat. They've got the most amazing script. They could have the most amazing movie, and they don't do it. And then they come up with rubbish instead. This is, this is amazing. This is, and God is setting everything up perfectly. But the time hasn't come yet. You know, we, we always say, well, you know, God's timing is perfect. God's never late. Well, how about this? God's never early either. And oh, by the way, you don't want him to be early. You want God to do it in his time and in his way and for his glory. And that time will come. And had the king rewarded him now, then it's game over again. 
I think sometimes we unnecessarily, in our haste and in our impatience, want God to do it now. And I imagine God looking down upon us, saying to us, if only you knew why it is that I don't want to do it now. Sometimes God will say no to something now because he wants to do something infinitely greater at a future time. Uh, There was this one quip, I never forgot it, it goes like this. Uh, When we pray, we, in our impatience, we ask God for something, we want God to do something now. And, And if the timing is wrong, God says slow. If you're wrong, God says grow. If the request is wrong, God says no. But when the timing is right, and you're right, and the request is right, God says, go. Here you go. And that's the way I want it. That's the way I want it. I don't want God to give it to me to me too early. You know, and, and aren't we so end product oriented? We want what we want when we want it. Sounds like a five-year-old, doesn't it, right? <laughs> you know, I want this now, Lord. And, you know, and we cheapen the end product when we rush the process. We're dismissive of the value of the process. And we don't realize that what we're doing is we're robbing ourselves of what God has for us in the end because it is always infinitely greater. And in that process of just waiting and by the way, preparing, (laughs) preparing us for that which is prepared for us. God's timing is always perfect. And if there was ever a book, it's the book of Esther that is a reminder of the perfect timing of God. God, again, and I'll say it again and we'll close, everything is going perfectly according to God's plan. He is setting everything up perfectly and beautifully. And the one thing Mordecai and even Esther don't have is the benefit of what we do have, and we have the end of the story. It's still being written. They don't know how this is all going to play out. Mordecai doesn't have the foggiest idea of how he's going to be rewarded at the perfect time in such a dramatic way. Actually, his life will be saved when he's rewarded for saving the life of the king. How about that? Only God could do that. Thanks for tuning in to Pastor J.D.'s teaching in the book of Esther today. Here at In Spirit and Truth, we strive to bring you God's Word in a way that blesses your life and challenges you to grow closer to your Creator. The book of Esther is one that encourages a deep faith, especially when the world seems to be falling apart around you. Esther didn't crumble under extreme pressure. She instead turned to God and asked her people to pray fervently for her. Prayer is so important in the life of a believer. It's not just a way to tell God what you need. It's a way to hear from Him and get to know Him better. 
Prayer can be the difference in any situation. So start there today. If you'd like to listen again to today's message, you'll find it at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Just click on Listen. Having access to messages from God's Word adds some great encouragement to the pauses in your day and helps to keep your focus on Him. You can also download our mobile app for Apple and Android phones to take these teachings wherever you go. Find a link at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to include you in our weekly services. Come by Thursday nights for an in-depth Bible study at 7 p.m. or on a Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. We'd love to meet you and add your voice to our time of worship. With that, our time with you has come to an end today. May God continue to bless your study of His Word, and may you grow closer to Him each day. Join us next time to continue in the book of Esther on In Spirit and Truth.